0: Let me ask you something. What if there was someone out there who kept a log of every single thing you did every minute of the day? That would probably creep you out. Well, that's exactly what happens every time you go online. Your internet provider stores logs of every website you've ever visited and can legally sell this data to anyone. Worse yet, the government can obtain your data via bulk FISA order even if you're not personally suspected of any crime, that's why I use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers, so your internet provider can't see or log what you do online. Visit expressvpn.com/mullen right now and find out how you can get three months for free. That's expressvpn.com/mullen. Protect your data and get three months for free today. Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. We're here in between Christmas and New Year's. And uh, looking forward to a hopefully better 2024 on the political scene uh, than 2023 and just about any year any of us can remember. Um, And I wanted to spend a little time today just taking a a really, not a step back, but a a step up to about 30,000 feet. To talk about what's going on in American society right now, because I kind of go along thinking that everybody sees things the way I do, like most of us probably do, and that um, everybody has, you know, spent the time looking at uh, some of the historical background to what we see uh, happening in in real time in the United States today, and. I, I guess I'm somewhat surprised, uh, in talking to friends, family, um, about, um, the lack of awareness of exactly what is happening out there today. What is the reason for all of the, what seem like somewhat outlandish things that, uh, political movements are demanding. And, uh, to me, um, Everything that's happening in American society today is very, very familiar. And thus the title of this podcast that all left wing revolutions look the same. Uh, they basically follow a blueprint. They're based on the same ideology, of course. and uh, and there are certain things that have happened, in every left-wing revolution, mostly communist in the 20th century, but also socialist. And I'll talk about the difference between those two things. But um, not, nothing that seems outlandish to you today is, is something that that hasn't been done over and over in history. So th- that's kind of what I want to talk about so people can, can put uh, all of these different uh, seemingly disparate things into uh, perspective, kind of put them into a blueprint so they understand the motivations behind doing them. Uh, and, and some of the things I'm going to talk about are statues and the pronoun thing and um, the uh, renaming of holidays. Um, all of these things are, are kind of uh, almost tired at this point. Uh, components of the standard left wing revolution and I'm gonna make a case for that in the next couple of minutes I don't think this is going to be a real long podcast, but we'll see once I get rolling sometimes uh the warm air really um you know never stops but we'll 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 see and uh, I guess I'll just start with the first left wing revolution in seventeen eighty nine the French Revolution, which a lot of Americans don't seem to recognized for the disaster that it was i mean people kind of uh you know wish the french um you know a um uh happy independence day and, and of course like they the, the french were not declaring their independence from some other country they overthrew their monarchy and they established a left-wing socialist government i mean that's what the goal was And it was a disaster, uh, as every single left-wing revolution has been since. And if you don't, I think I've said this, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before, I know I've said it in at least one of my books, but the, the key difference between the American Revolution and the French Revolution can be summed up in their slogans. So the American revolution was, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, and the, uh, French revolution slogan was liberty, equality, and fraternity. Um, I can't remember if I'm getting that in the, in the same order. In fact, there's a famous exchange, uh, between Bastiat and, um, someone named Dela Lamartine. I don't have to I don't speak French, so French speakers out there just cover your ears. I my in-laws are French uh Canadian, so um but uh, basically I think this is in the law and I'm great going on memory here cuz it's stuck with me so much where um uh Bastiat says that he's speaking with his fellow Congress members in eight. This is around 1848 during all those left wing revolutions there, which mostly were unsuccessful. Um, but he says, Mr. De La Martine, uh, said to me thusly. <laughs> that's the way it's translated in English. Uh, and I'm not reading this, uh, but go look it up. Mr. De La Martine said to me thusly. Uh, your the program is only the half of mine yours stops at liberty mine goes on to fraternity and I answered him thus um, the second half of your program will destroy the first okay and then he's and then Bastiat goes on to comment on that conversation saying because um, I can't separate the word fraternity from the word voluntary and um you know, if you haven't read my book, Where Do Liberals and Conservatives Come From? You really ought to, if you if you look hard enough, you can even read the important parts online for free. You want to get Chapter 2, Where Do Conservatives Come From? Chapter 3, the subject of today's podcast, Where Do Liberals Come From? And uh, there's a Chapter 4 called Where Do the Founding Fathers Come From? And um, in keeping with the metaphor come from here, they come from a place different from either conservatives or liberals that's that's a spoiler for the book um but you know if you want to understand the left you don't want to necessarily read marx you want to read jean-jacques rousseau okay jean-jacques rousseau's ideas and some of the other french socialists but they were all you know rousseau was the the top of the the ladder for these people the rest of them were either a derivative of him or didn't didn't um, express the philosophy as completely as Rousseau did um, and uh, you know basically you know the premise of uh, the I'll, I'll give you the uh, another spoiler so the premise behind uh, the American Revolution was Locke's premise that um, people. Uh, in in nature without a government they have this thing called property they 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 have lot li- their lives their liberties and their possessions are uh, an absolute right and and, and those things all together are called their property life liberty and possessions are property and that the purpose of the government is to keep that property safe so individual liberty um Property, whether one person has more of it uh, than another, well, I should say possessions, whether one person has more of them or another, if they're justly acquired, the purpose of the government is to make sure they are justly acquired. And then if the results are unequal, that's fine. So that was the premise behind the American Revolution. Rousseau and the left do not believe that. They believe that the defective nature is not a lack of um security of property but property itself and not just your possessions but even your individual liberty is a problem and Rousseau writes that if you're going to have a society that every member of the society has to alienate he says the word alienate all of his natural rights and submit to the general will okay uh, and the means to do this is going to be democracy so when you hear democracy dem- or democracy is in trouble that this is a threat to democracy okay democracy was not the the end goal of the american republic it never was you won't find the word in any of the founding documents nobody talked about the united states being a democracy um in, in the first hundred years it was around. Okay. They called it a republic. And um, you know, just the fact that it was a republic wasn't even the the whole story, because a republic just means you vote in representatives and they do whatever they want. The um the point was that it was a limited republic. The government was limited, as Locke said that no person could delegate a power to the government that um, he didn't possess in the state of nature. In other words, if, if this is something you don't have a right to do, if there is no government, then the fact that you form a government does not allow you to delegate this power there. A very, very limiting principle. Okay, of course, the founders and, and everybody after violated that principle over and over again, but at least that's what they were going for, and it showed. Um, the, the French Revolution was not going for that. They were going for this abstract equality. So Rousseau said the defect of nature is that everybody starts out good, almost like an, like an angel in a state of blissful ignorance, and that once they start acquiring property – this inequality occurs and the inequality itself is the evil that causes all other evils. So Rousseau said that the purpose of government is not to secure the individual's property, but rather to um, reinstate the equality that was lost when property began to be acquired. Now, unlike Marx, um Rousseau does not say we're going to confiscate all private property completely. He just says that we should regulate it so that no one gets very much richer than anyone else. And really, when you listen to the left, even to Bernie Sanders, um, who, you know, you, he is a communist at heart, but he doesn't say that out loud because he couldn't get away with it. Uh, communism, I think, really being discredited at this point. Now everyone wants, quote, democratic socialism. Well, guess what? That's every revolution's been democratic socialism right from 1789 to the present, okay? And I know I said I'm not going to go on too long. I wanted to give you that background, the difference in goals between the societies, okay? So for a left-wing society uh, that, that all emanates in the mod- in modernity from Jean-Jacques Rousseau, we could talk about, you know, the original communist Plato and all the ancients some other day, But in the modern era, since the Enlightenment, just about everything you hear from the Democratic Party from the left, they're paraphrasing Rousseau. Sometimes they're quoting him directly. I'm not saying that they're carrying his stuff around in uh, their back pocket and, you know, memorizing the lines because most of them aren't even that well read. But they have the same mindset. They think the same way. And what they think is that inequality is an evil in and of itself that the government must stamp out. So that's the goal. That was the goal of 1789 French Revolution. And here's some of the things that they did in 1789 and the years that followed um, in the French Revolution. First of all, they, they came up with a new calendar and they called 1789 year one. Uh, that from now on it might not have been 89 it might have been 91 one of those early years of the french revolution they they did declared to be year one and they came up with this wacky calendar where all the months were different and completely discombobulated everybody of course they insisted that everybody call themselves uh by um with using words that they had never used before does that sound familiar okay so they in, in in uh 1789 France, it was citizen. Everyone had to call each other citizen because you were no longer an individual with an individual identity. You were just part of this collective, the general will. And uh, of course, part of that was to get rid of all the the, the uh aristocratic titles. So they didn't want anyone to be called lord or duke or whatever. Um but they they you know we want you to call me citizen um because we're all exactly the same that was their idea can you uh, i'll get to the pronouns in a minute of course in russia which followed the french revolution exactly um it was comrade as it was in china okay um this is the same idea that you don't have an individual name anymore you're just you know one of the borg a part of the collective, and uh, you know what you're called shouldn't be any different from what anyone else is called. Um, the French went on a statue destroying mission. A lot of this had to do with destroying uh, church statues because that's what most of them were, but the statues that comes from the French Revolution. Um, and of course, uh, this is what happened in uh, in Russia. Of course, they they tore down all the statues of uh, the the great Russian people from the past. And then, even when you know Lenin was gone and and Stalin came along, he they tore down Lenin's statues. And then, of course, when Stalin was uh, uh, died, they, there was de-Stalinization. They tore down his statues. The statue thing is a standard part of the left-wing revolution. In China, they were called the Red Guards. These were uh, young people mostly, teenagers, late teens, early 20s, and they would go stampeding around, smashing ancient works of art, statues. They wanted to erase all evidence of the past. Does it sound familiar? Uh and um oh and i wanted to say uh you might be more familiar cuz this is more in our our lifetimes um at least my lifetime i was born in 65 so i vaguely remember news reports of the so-called killing fields in cambodia the khmer rouge um where they killed 2 million cambodians and as a percentage of the population that was just a staggering number um and they they proclaimed year zero there and directly referencing the French Revolution. Got to erase all uh, signs of the past. Okay, so what we're seeing in American culture today is standard textbook left-wing revolution, oper- you know, standard operating procedure, right? And it should be understood that way okay? Um, we have the whole racism angle, you know, and that really is a product of the of the um, 20th century and that, and I know I've talked about this before, that um, Marxism started with the idea that there were two groups of people, the so-called proletariat, well, three groups, and the, the bourgeoisie, which are like most people, the middle class, the business owners, and then, of course, there's the uh, elites. But they looked for a revolution among just anybody in the proletariat. Okay? It didn't really matter. There wasn't really a racial aspect to it. Um, and it never happened. I mean, it happened in Russia, and the Marxists were very hopeful. Like, here we go. This is the start. We're going to see a proletariat revolution in every other country. Well, the problem was that in the capitalist, the ones that it really had adopted capitalism, which Russia had not at the time, it was somewhat capitalist, but nowhere near what was going on in Western Europe or the United States, um, the, the working class's living standards were skyrocketing. That's why there was no revolution. And in the 1930s, they're all kind of scratching their heads. Gee, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. We need a new strategy, and the new strategy was: look, um, nobody is buying the fact that um, there's going to be a crisis of capitalism, and you're all going to starve under it because you're, you know, they're getting richer every generation. This is, <laughs> this is not going to work. Now, you know, uh, anyone with a, a, a an ounce of humility, an ounce. Of integrity would just say, "Look, our theory is wrong. It was wrong. No, they didn't do that." And I think this is because there's kind of a deep emotional hatred among leftists for people doing well. <laughs> they really just hate that anyone is enjoying themselves or or um, prospering. It, it doesn't even have to be more than they are. I I don't know the the like academia has always hated capitalism and sneered at it now the people in academia generally are pretty comfortable but they just can't stand to see you know donald trump of course is like the caricature of a capitalist if you watch the old james bond movies and i'm thinking in, in particular of the one that takes place in vegas i believe maybe that's called diamonds or forever the way that they mock like Americans, like the American businessman, yeah, you know, that's that's kind of what Trump is. Trump. I mean, if I was going to give an example of a great capitalist, Donald Trump would not be the guy, the one that that takes advantage of all the capital, the loopholes around capital, like bankruptcy. Like in a pure capitalist sense, you wouldn't have bankruptcy uh, unless it was like voluntary from the creditors, where they just admitted to themselves. This person can never pay this back. We're going to have to, you know, uh, take some responsibility that we made a bad loan. Anyway, I'm getting a little off the subject. Anyway, um, in the 1930s, we had this group called the Frankfurt School, um, a bunch of communists, Marxists, who said that uh, we have to rethink the way, you know, our revolution is going to occur, how we're going to achieve what they call a just society, which is not a capitalist one. Um, and um, we have to focus more on, on oppressed groups within the overall strike. not just this, this formless proletariat, but let's align ourselves with oppressed minorities, with, um, with women. with And, you know, the whole patriarchy, by the way, you know, Americans have no idea how much they think like Marxists, Um, The word patriarchy comes from Marx and Engels, okay? That's who coined the phrase. And people use it as if they don't understand that this is not about gender or sex. This is about destroying capitalism. It's just another tool in the bag. And the useful idiots go and talk about it without even realizing that. Maybe some of them do. So in any case, um, by the way, these uh, uh, Marxists of the Frankfurt School, as you can imagine, were in Germany, Frankfurt, Germany, and uh, they were chased out of Germany. A lot of them were Jewish, uh, maybe all of them, most of them, Um, and because they were both communists, Marxists, and Jews, um, 1930s Germany was not a good place for them to be. Uh, They came to America which I wish all the Jews would have come to America. I think I've said before we could have just given them Wyoming instead of uh, you know, uh what is now Israel and we never would have had a problem. Um but uh in any case these particular uh Marxists uh and and Jews came to the United States in the 1930s and started spreading this nonsense there and the Communist Party had an explosion in membership in the 30s. Uh, the depression, of course, helped, and the influx of these people helped, and uh, they set out to align themselves with the oppressed groups and people like Herbert Marcusa, who was still around in the fifties and sixties, was writing. We got to align with these people. Here's our people. We can't just tell the workers that we're that they should rebel because they're they're not going to rebel. They're they're doing great, but. You know, if you're a black person in the South, you got a reason to uh, buy that message. Um, Women uh, in the 1930s through the 50s uh, had, you know, certain reason to accept that message. And so that was the strategy. We're going to align with these groups. And that's why the statue thing has like a racial uh, aspect to it in America because the statues are some of them are confederates and then of course some of them are slave owners because the statues of everybody in the 1700s would be statues of slave owners in any country in the world including africa okay they have statues to their chief chieftains from the 1700s those chieftains were slave owners um so they were able to, to get on to that, but it's still the same old shtick. Destroy all the statues, rename the holidays, make a new calendar. Is it Columbus Day anymore? No, right? It's Indigenous Peoples Day, even though there are no human beings indigenous to the, the Americas. I like to call it Previous Immigrants Day. Um, we want to, again, okay, so they also aligned with homosexuals who were oppressed at the time. I mean, there was, I don't know what year it was, and it might be state by state here where homosexuality was quote-unquote legalized. I mean, it was, I guess it was never illegal to be homosexual, to have that preference, but to act upon it was against the law. You could be put in jail. So, of course, that's wrong. That was an injustice that had to be overcome, as was Jim Crow, and certain prohibitions against women, although those were long gone in the 20th century. You have to remember the difference between something that's legally prohibited, like women owning property or whatever, and uh, something that's just kind of a social norm that's been around you know, for good reason in some cases. Um, but in any case, they align themselves with homosexuals Saying you're being oppressed, which they were, but here's here's the thing. they weren't being oppressed by capitalism, they were being oppressed by the government, um, and you know the government was acting on the wishes probably of most people, not all people, and saying that it was illegal for two men to have sex um so there there you have where We don't have the citizen or the comrade thing. We got the pronouns. Everybody's got, we can no longer have the binary genders, right? This is the same old thing. They've got to erase everything that's traditional. Everything's about the past. Um, And uh, we need to call each other by different names. And they, them is one of them. Uh, Incidentally, by the way, and I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again. The whole pronoun thing is unbelievably authoritarian because this is not, if I if I say, if I like have my uh, email signature or, I don't know, a social media handle or something, and it says they, them under, I'm not telling you how to talk to me. I'm telling you what words to use when you're not even talking to me, when you're talking to somebody else. Now, obviously, if I'm referring to you, I'm talking to Bill, and I'm referring to you. Your name is is Joe, and uh, I'm supposed to say they it's for Joe, which is completely confusing, by the way. And that's a feature, not a bug. I was reading an article in the New York Post of all places, which you know is a conservative uh, rag, <laughs> started by a- Alexander Hamilton, uh, the author of the other side of. Um, American Political Disaster, but um, it it was uh, talking about somebody, and, and, and it mentioned early in the article that they used the pronouns they, them, and it just went right by me, and later in the article, they were referring to this person as they, and this was not me like, you know, I was alone reading this article, and, and I was genuinely confused, and I started going back to the top and like, was there another person that this refers to besides whoever? Uh, and of course, no, there wasn't. They're just, they're following this protocol, which is inherently confusing. You're literally using a plural pronoun to describe a singular person. I, I, I'm i not going to do that. <laughs> okay. That's, that's a bridge too far. I, I'm, I try to be nice to as many people as I can, believe it or not the the guy here on the podcast um you know I, I'm as diplomatic as I can be but no I'm I'm not going to use a plural pro- pronoun to describe you come up with something else right now I'm going with he she and it sorry anyway um but that's that fits right in that fits right into the blueprint everyone's got to call everybody else something different yes there's a wrinkle here with the whole uh, gender thing, but that's because we're in the Frankfurt school phase of the left-wing revolution. But you know, all these things um, ultimately seek the same thing, which is that nobody has any individual rights. They believe in, in pure democracy and pure collectivism. And of course they they are dead set. Find me somebody uh, who does the pronoun thing, who is pro, get rid of the statues, who's also a fierce defender of the free market. You won't You won't find one. Every single one you'll find is anti-capitalist. And that's what this is really all about, because what society really is overall, it's a lot of things. And as Thomas Paine said, society in every state is a blessing. Society is, I don't know, I'll put a percentage on it, 80% an economic arrangement. The reason that we form societies is to benefit from each other's economic output, to trade, in other words. So John Locke famously said that um, you know, he talked about life, liberty, and possessions, uh, which I will call by the general name of property. And then he goes on to say the chief end that for which people, the chief reason, in other words, when he says end, he means reason, that uh, people form societies and put themselves under government is preservation of their property. So he's looking at it. The security of that, but really, um, that's the reason for government, not society. Now, there are all kinds of non-economic benefits we get from society. Um, there's there's uh, religious uh, gatherings. There are uh, social clubs and gatherings, and and, th- and ways that we associate with each other. In, in a somewhat non-economic way, but, but all of those pale in comparison as far as the reason to have society to the economic one. So we're, we're in society to trade with each other. And the reason Thomas Paine said that society is in every, every state a blessing, but government, even in its best state, uh, uh, is a necessary evil. So government's evil was because society is all the voluntary part. It's the voluntary associations. It's the uh, voluntary economic exchanges. It's the voluntary uh, association in terms of who your friends are, what clubs you join, what church you go to, or not go to church, whatever, that that's all voluntary. And With the left, none of that is voluntary. They don't think it should be voluntary. It should not be an individual decision. It should be a majority group decision. Rousseau goes so far in one of his treatises, I believe it's the social contract. In fact, yes, it was. To say that the way he knows that he's wrong about something is when the majority disagrees with him. Yeah, that's what he says. So the problem for left-wing revolutionaries with history is that this has never worked and its human nature is completely antithetical to all this. The history of humanity is individuals pursuing their self-interest, their separate individual self-interest. And As the idea of capitalism emerged, um, and Adam Smith had the great insight called the invisible hand, he said, look, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, allowing people to pursue this, their own individual self-interest, that's what does all the good in society. None of it is done by people, you know, banding together and, and, and overriding individual decisions to, um, to do some supposedly common good. Okay. He he says he, he, that's the great insight that he had. And it's the, it's the insight that, that the left just cannot, um, they, they cannot accept it. And I I think that I'll do a separate podcast on intentions versus results but if you argue with a leftist about some completely disastrous government program almost the almost 100% of the time the first response will be no no you don't understand what we're trying to do is yeah no i know what you're trying to do it's not working it hasn't worked for 50 years you got to stop doing it and and sometimes the response will then be well what do you want us to do just give up yes give up When something doesn't work, you should stop doing it. The free market does that for you. When something doesn't work, the free market defunds it completely. Now, that might seem brutal, but it's the only accountability that really exists in a society is bankruptcy or at least losses, economic losses. And, of course, all government intervention is there to take that accountability away. There's certainly no accountability in in government. I mean, yes, you could lose an election, but uh, that's pretty rare for incumbents, unfortunately. And uh, even when they win and they get in there, they don't do any of the things that they said they were going to do. They still usually get back in. I mean, no government bureaucrat ever gets fired. You know, if if you know, no matter how disastrously a policy turns out to be, it gets re- it gets the opposite. It gets rewarded. It gets more funds. This is what comes from putting the decisions in the hands of voters rather than individuals using their own money, risking their own money, and suffering losses when they're wrong. So again, we'll we'll do a separate podcast on that. I just I guess I wanted to point out that what we see going on in America today is the standard blueprint, you know, left-wing revolution that has been the same through across every continent since 1789 and may I remind you that it had all it has always ended in mass bloodshed. And we're constantly told, oh my God, we can never forget the Holocaust and, and don't say it couldn't happen here. Well, guess what? What about Mao Zedong killing 40 to 60 million of his own people? Some of it not even intentionally, just the, the result of his terrible economic policies. What about the Russians killing 30 million of their own people? Cambodia, 2 million out of a much smaller population and on and on across Africa. Okay? The can't happen here could there be mass executions and um and mass starvation in America? It seem I mean it seems ludicrous to think that. Well, I mean we're always told don't tell yourself it can't happen here um you know the only example we're ever given, of course, is Germany and Hitler and the Nazis, because somehow or other they've been um painted as right wing, which in some respects they were. They were certainly anti-capitalist and said so. But they were pikers as far as killing people to uh the communist regimes of the 20th century and were Marching lockstep with the communists in uh, in Russia, in China, in Cambodia, in Africa, uh, all of these these trends that you're that you're seeing, that's what they're about. So don't kid yourself that they're you know just innocent uh, um, people who might be a little misguided, but they're you know their hearts in the right place. Uh, maybe there's a, a lot of what Lenin called "useful idiots" marching along, knocking down statues. But the brains and the funding behind these uh, movements um, are are the same as they were in China, Russia, Cambodia, and the rest. So I'll leave it there. I just you know felt like I wanted to rant about that because I hear people talking about the individual things and they don't seem to put it together. This is. This is a standard textbook left-wing revolution. And if we don't stamp it out, nip it in the bud, um, it's going to end very badly. And, uh, of course, none of us want that. All right, friends, that's going to do it for today. Just a few reminders to stop by com slash support and check out all the ways that you can support my efforts here, including joining my Patreon or my sub stack. And if you haven't already, make sure that you go to itsthefedstupid.com to download a copy of my free ebook, It's the Fed Stupid. And as always, if you like the music you've heard here on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can hear more at tommullensings.com. Thanks for listening. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.